This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, November 2nd, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. The Biden administration is out with a massive executive order seeking to set the terms for artificial intelligence in the U.S. How much attention does the Biden team give to the possibility of forestalling AI's large upside potential? Does it signal an abandonment of America's permissionless approach to tech? Cato's Jack Soloway and Jennifer Huddleston discuss what's in it. This has been sort of a long time coming. And tell me, does this seem remarkably early for a White House to come out with a hundred pages of executive order on a new technology that has essentially just barely even emerged? It does and it doesn't. So this document is coming out the same week of a significant U.S.-U.K. summit on AI. So on the one hand, this is clearly this administration kind of going into that summit, signaling with what their view on this topic is. On the other hand, you are exactly right, Caleb. This is an emerging technology that has a lot of potential applications and a lot of potential benefits. It seems really early to be trying to fit it into a regulatory box, especially when what we've learned in the past with technology is that maintaining that light touch approach, clearly identifying where those harms may be and trying to only regulate on the margins of those harms and allow the technology to benefit consumers and be developed by the market has really allowed the U.S. to be one of the great innovators in a lot of different spaces and really benefited both us as consumers as well as the economic investment in these companies. Jack, it seems a bit like the White House is trying to get out ahead of this and at least in the in the realm of emerging technology, that's not the way the U.S. really does things. Well, I think that historically has been right. And I think that Jennifer makes a great point that in many ways, the White House trying to get ahead of things here with this executive order um, can really be premature in terms of assessing the actual relevant risks and harms at issue here. So as you all know, and perhaps our listeners know, I focus specifically on financial technology. And notably in the Biden executive order, there are six enumerated sectors, essentially, of the economy where the Biden administration thinks that AI poses a particular risk to what they refer to as uh, individuals' safety vis-a-vis AI, as well as their rights. And finance, uh, I think it's the second one listed is one of those areas. And I think, again, Jennifer makes a great point that the EO broadly and in the area that I look at uh, with respect to financial services really assumes that there will be these risks, harms, uh, even to consumers' rights and safety without sort of doing the work initially to find out whether or not those assumptions are valid. If I may jump in here, I think it's also important to situate this document in where it has come about in the ongoing debate around AI. I mentioned that this is coming out right around the same time as a US-UK AI summit, but this is also following on a previous statement from the administration that was a quote-unquote AI bill of rights. It's coming after we've seen this administration kind of bring in top executives and have them promise to take or not take certain actions. And it's coming at a time when we're continuing to see 
Congress debate this idea as well. And I think that's another very interesting element in the fact that we're seeing this done by executive order, is that there is a lot of talk in Congress as well about what, if anything, should be done. Lena Khan, the head of the Biden administration's FTC, says there is no AI exemption from existing laws. And, well, that's certainly true, but it doesn't immediately mean that there ought to be this new, potentially permission-based regulatory framework that it at least looks like the Biden administration uh, would like to roll out. There are two kind of underlying things there, one of which I think is actually something that doesn't get considered as much. And then the other of which you are exactly right, Caleb, this seems to be a shift towards a highly regulatory approach. And it seems to be an attempt to give several departments kind of the green light to go forth and regulate this exciting new emerging technology. And to that kind of comment, we've certainly seen the FTC appear to be trying to position itself as well as other departments have been trying to position themselves to potentially be the kind of AI regulator for the U.S. But there's another part of that quote that I do think we should maybe consider in a different context. The fact that existing law did not go out the window when AI suddenly became popular. So when we think about those harms that people are concerned about, the question is, is it the technology engaging in the harm or is it a bad actor using the technology to engage in the harm? In many cases, when we're talking about the harms that a lot of people are concerned about, harms related to fraud, harms related to discrimination, it's not the technology itself. It's a bad actor using that technology to do bad things. And the existing law still applies to the bad actor, even when they're using new technology. And I I would like to also just highlight this idea of existing laws covering a lot of the supposed risks and harms that AI technology, in the view of the Biden administration, could potentially heighten or exacerbate. So, for example, in the financial services sector, we have a lot of laws on the books, a lot of regulatory agencies already addressing things like bias, discrimination, fraud, uh, threats to privacy, and even more nebulous concepts like supposedly financial stability. And what's interesting about this EO is that in some cases, the financial regulators are actually mandated to produce either reports or new uh, guidance and rulemaking. In other instances, other agencies are simply encouraged to do so. But in either case, the administration through this EO is really putting its thumb on the scale in terms of saying, The existing laws may be on the books, but we really think it's time for new guidance and rules to at least clarify their application. And again, I think that really begs the question of whether it's unclear to market participants how AI will interact with these existing laws and known risks. One thing I'd like to add to this consideration is this new executive order and much of the debate around AI has kind of been focused on how do we need to regulate up? How are there loopholes that need to be closed? How can we make sure existing law applies to AI in some cases? But I think there's another side of the equation that should also be considered. Are there beneficial applications of AI that are currently being blocked by outdated regulation? We've seen this with existing technologies in the past. Are there opportunities 
for perhaps sandboxes or for deregulation as well as regulation up to, in order to actually ensure that we're seeing the true benefits of this technology. How much consideration does the Biden administration give in this executive order to potential new beneficial uses of artificial intelligence? There's certainly some throughout, and I'll definitely let Jennifer provide her two cents on, on that. One thing I noted in sort of the financial services provisions is that there is, in a section addressing bias mitigation and anti-discrimination, there is a portion, at least, where the EO is cognizant of AI technology as something that consumers potentially would want access to. So there is this one area where they make clear that they don't want barriers, for example, for folks with disabilities. They don't want the nature of, say, an interface or the mode in which a technology is presented to prevent folks with disabilities from accessing the technology. So at the very least, implicitly, there is some understanding about barriers to accessing technology. And that's a fair point. But again, to Jennifer's point just a second ago, regulation itself can become a barrier to accessing technology. I think in general, what we've seen is a real focus on the AI harms. And this has occurred both in terms of the way we're seeing policymakers position things like this executive order, as well as just some of the general discourse we've seen around AI in the media. This isn't to say that we shouldn't consider the risk, but we also should take a step back and remember that AI did not just suddenly pop up last November when ChatGPT got popular. We've all been using AI for a long time in very beneficial ways. If you've run a search on an online search engine, if you've used a translation app when you've traveled, if you've chatted with a chatbot before being connected to customer service, you've used AI in some way, likely well before November of last year. When we're looking at these potential regulations, we also have to consider how they could impact many of the things that we're used to using on an everyday basis that we find at least benign, if not beneficial, let alone how they could impact some of the amazing things that we do occasionally hear about with AI, but maybe don't hear as loudly about the way that AI is being used to help sort through information and provide better treatment options for certain types of cancers, the way AI is being used to help empower stroke victims and individuals with disabilities in some cases. So I think it's really important that we we not just focus on those negatives and we not just focus on the risks, but we focus on the benefits equally as well. I couldn't agree more with that. And to just highlight a couple of potential benefits in the financial services sector, uh, there's a lot of concern from regulators about bias, say, in lending and discrimination in providing credit. But there also are, there is a promise potentially of AI technology actually reversing some potential um, existing disparities in terms of access to credit and access to financial services. So it really is an empirical question that remains to be seen whether algorithmic bias in credit and lending is all that it's cracked up to be, or actually whether those very tools will expand access to credit. How much of this executive order just holds up? That is, no disagreement from Congress or Congress chooses not to act in areas where the White House has asserted authority. 
It's interesting to me that we are seeing this being done by executive order at a time when we've had a lot of debates over appropriate delegation, particularly ensuring that that major questions are being dealt with by Congress and not sua sponte by agencies. While this is an executive order, not an agency acting in its own regard, I do think that this the fact that we have an ongoing debate in Congress about what if any kind of regulatory delegation should occur and to what industries, and yet we're seeing an executive order that is quite broad, you know, 100 plus pages long, going over many elements of AI at the same time that Congress is trying to consider legislation from kind of a separation of powers point of view is something that perhaps should give many people pause. Jack Soloway is a policy analyst and Jennifer Hoddleston is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please. And thank you for listening.